My message today is you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. Put that on the screen, please. You can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Do you believe it? How many of you have received? Just hold up your hand. How many of you have received? Amen. Well, that's a good number. There's also a good number that thank you for your honesty. You did not raise your hand. I want to tell you today how you can. I want to tell you you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mentioned our friends in Israel have just completed the season of Pentecost. And this is a Jewish festival that is termed the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot which leads to the day of Pentecost. Uh, Shavuot, or Feast of Weeks 2021, actually began on the evening of last Sunday, the 16th, and it concluded on the evening of Tuesday, May the 18th, according to the calendar this year. As I said, it's originally an Old Testament festival and celebration. It goes back to times of Josephus, And it was an agricultural celebration, celebrating the giving of thanks for the joy and the privilege of bringing the offering of first fruits in honoring God and blessing him for his favor on the harvest. And so Pentecost actually ends the season of Easter. And it is calculated by seven weeks of weeks or seven times seven, 49, if you will. And the Sabbath, the first Sabbath after that, which is today, is the 50th. Because Pentecost, its term literally means 50th. And it's what we're celebrating today. Now, it's on the calendar. But how many know it's more than a date on the calendar? In fact, Pentecost is more than one day. It's every day of the believer's life. And so as Christians today, we are recognizing the gift of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so we're celebrating the fact that God's very life, his breath, his energy lives in believers. Someone said it like this, Bethlehem, God was with us. At Calvary, God was for us. But at Pentecost, God came to live in us. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good? Bethlehem, God with. Calvary, he's for us. Pentecost, he's with us. Glory be to God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, more than that, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And lest anyone be confused, I may overdo it today because I'm going to be very basic. I'm going to use a lot of scriptures, so get something to write on, and I'm going to answer some questions. But first, I want to share a quote from A.W. Tozer, a man whom God used to bless literally thousands of people in the body of Christ. And this is a quote direct from him, and I have it on your screen. Tozer said, spell this out in capital letters, the Holy Spirit is a person. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not enthusiasm. He's not courage. He's not energy. He's not the 
personification of all good qualities like Jack Frost is the personification of cold weather. Actually, the Holy Spirit is not personification of anything. He is individuality. He is one being and not another. He is will and intelligence. He has hearing. He has knowledge and sympathy and ability to love and see and think. He can hear, speak, desire, grieve, and rejoice. He is a person. Hallelujah. And we will add, he is the third person of the divine Godhead, a member of the Trinity. Now, for centuries, God announced the coming of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible clearly traces back to the first or the oldest book of the Bible. The oldest book, who would tell me what that is? The book of Job. Job. Correct. Give that man an A. The oldest book of the Bible is the book of Job. And listen to what Job says. Now, I'm going to bring this message today and let the Word of God speak for itself. I'm going to do my best to add little commentary. Is that all right with you? Are you okay with just letting God's Word speak to us today? How many believe that's the best way after all, anyway? And so Job says this in chapter 29, men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After my words, they did not speak again and my speech settled on them as due. See, this is a prophetic picture of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the gifting of interacting and communicating with God in a prayer language and in praise. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the spring rain. Then 700 years before Christ's birth, Isaiah said this, chapter 28, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. And then again, Isaiah says in 44 and verse 3, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. And so all of this is speaking of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you will, as we refer to it. So again, This sermon, in a sentence, is you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's the message today. Now, there's nothing more important when I study the Scripture after a person embraces faith in Christ than being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, being water baptized is important as well. But being baptized in the Holy Spirit is extremely important. And so in this message, I want to answer three questions. And they're very simple questions, and they're questions I've run into again and again and again over the years in assisting people in understanding how to receive the Holy Spirit. And so I want to help you do that this morning. The first question is, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? The second question is, why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit so important to every believer and in their life? And the third question is, how can I be re- receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What it is, what the baptism is, why is it important, and how can you receive? 
Here's question number one. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Here's the answer in a nutshell. It is a powerful, say this with me, read it out loud. It is a powerful, life-changing experience from God by which God clothes and fills a believer with his power and his presence. Now, Jesus has a lot to say about this and to support that premise. Look with me now at a couple of scriptures. Luke 24. Look, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts 1. The Bible says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, including Japan. And then he said in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, you can read with me. Come on, let's read it out loud in our outdoor voice. Suddenly, a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as of fire, being distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Let me just pause and put this, 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 this note in here, right here. From Job until this present scripture I have just read, have you seen a common thread? This experience is characterized by speech. Are you hearing that? That's what Job said. My speech dropped upon them. Isn't that what Job said prophetically? The, the oldest book of the Bible. God has been seeking to prepare our hearts for this. Now, I know that in some uh, many teachings today, you'll hear this is no longer for the church. This ceased with the apostle. This, this, that, and, and people will speak against it. How many know over 70 or more than that now, millions and millions of believers around the world of every color, of every nationality, who have embraced faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and have opened their heart for the Holy Spirit's infilling are now baptized believers in the Holy Spirit. They've never spoken English. They will never speak English. But because they met the baptizer, they now pray to the Father in a language they did not learn in school, and it's not their mother tongue because God is doing what he promised to do. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I didn't have to slow down here. So, number one, it's a powerful, life-changing experience. Remember last Sunday, we talked about living by the Spirit and how we ended with the lesson from Samuel and how he prayed over Saul, and when the Spirit would come over him, he would become another person. And this is what this is talking about. But the second thing, this experience is a promise for all believers. Acts 2 again, he lifted his voice, Peter, and said, Men of Judea and all of you who dwell in Jerusalem, these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Who will experience this? He said all, didn't he? I will pour on all flesh. 
Look at what Luke 24 says. I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. You see, this is a fulfillment of the promise of God the Father. In fact, it's sometimes referred to as the promise of the Father. But stay here in the city of the Ho- uh, until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. But thirdly, this powerful experience is a command to all believers. And see, I know there are many people who just write this right out of Scripture, but I'm going to go ahead and read you what the Bible says about it. Is that all right? Here's what the Bible says in Acts 1. He commanded them. What does the word command mean? It means you need to do it, doesn't it? We need to do this. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. And as I told you before, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here, our Lord himself gives the distinction between water baptism and spirit baptism. Right here in this passage we just read. Others tend to confuse being baptized into the body of Christ with spirit baptism. No, there are distinctly three baptisms. When you embrace faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the baptizer is the Holy Spirit. He baptizes you into and makes you part of the body of Christ. He is the member of the Godhead who oversees that by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. And you then are folded in, as Paul said in Colossians, you're taken from the dominion of darkness and placed into the dominion of God's dear Son, Jesus Christ. And so by reason of that, that means you're baptized into the body. That's what the scripture means when it says by one faith we are all baptized into one body. He's not talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptizer in the Holy Spirit is the Lord Jesus Christ. We just read that. And the Bible says that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Ephesians 5 says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So this is a brief answer of what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is a promise from God. It's a wonderful, powerful experience that transforms us, and it is a command from the Father. But here he, I want us to go to the second question. Why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit so important in every believer's life? Number one, because it's the Christian source of power for life and service. Again, verse 8 of Acts 1, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. But Acts 4 says this in verse 1, after they prayed, the place they were meeting in was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Did you notice how many different derivatives of power there are? Amen. And it's power to be. Power to be his witnesses. Power to be a godly follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Then secondly, because when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you do receive power to witness. You shall receive power, he said in Acts 1.8. 
when the Holy Spirit, and you shall be my witnesses. And then thirdly, it's so important because when you're baptized in the Spirit, you'll also receive power to accomplish other things in your life, things that you couldn't do in and of yourselves. Let me list just a few. There are so very, very many. But I want to give you at least eight of them quickly. Number one, by having the Holy Spirit with you as your constant companion and indwelling supervisor day by day in your life, he gives you power to overcome temptation and to live a life that is pure and separated and holy and is pleasing unto God. How many want that kind of life? <laughs> well, that's what the Holy Spirit will help us do. Amen? And he is here to help us accomplish that. Paul said this in Romans 8, you have no obligation. We used this scripture last Sunday to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So you're not under any law to cause you to do that. There's nothing that can force you to do that. Are you hearing me? This is a re result of your, the activity of your will. This is the activity of your want to. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to walk into our want to with us and get in the driver's seat of our want to. Are you hearing me this morning, church? I said I'm going to give you these quickly. But he says this in that chapter, the Spirit Help. He says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges, urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you stay in the driver's seat, you will die. I know that's blunt, but I'm giving you the word of God. But if through the power of the Spirit you put the, to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are, what? children of God. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. And so the Holy Spirit comes to help us. That's, that's one of his names, paraclete, paracletos, one called alongside to help us. But he's not only with us, Jesus said, he's also in us. Hallelujah. In the baptism, in the Holy Spirit. But secondly, he gives us power to pray more effectively. Romans 8, 26 Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How many love praying the will of God? I want to pray according to the will of God. Amen. And the Holy Spirit helps me to do that. But thirdly, he gives me power to love more ardently or more fervently, more passionately, more genuinely. Romans 5, verse 5, hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you want to love like God wants you to love, then let the Holy Spirit give you the love, the agape kind of love in your heart and in your life that only he can give you. Hallelujah. Number four, he gives you power to better understand the word of God. So many times when I read a scripture, it's like a fog and there are scales over my eyes. But in a moment of waiting in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you see, he is the one who illuminates the word of God. That means he turns a light on it and he gives revelation 
He illuminates the scripture. He lets us know what it means and helps us to understand it. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, nor can he know them. In our natural man, you'll never understand the, 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 the revelation of the Word of God as God would be pleased for us to understand it. But there's a way to do that, and it's by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? They are spiritually discerned, he said. John 14, Jesus said, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of what all that I have told you. John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will tell you things that are to come. I believe we're living in a time we need that kind of help. I said we need that kind of help. Here's number five. He gives us power to preach more effectively. I would, I would tremble. I still do. But knowing he's going to be with me, I dare to face the challenge. If to attempt to preach without the Holy Spirit, perish the thought. I need him every moment I stand at this sacred desk. And you know what? Everyone who proclaims and teaches the Word of God needs Him to live big in their lives, to impart the truth of God and the sound Word of the Lord. Acts 4, verse 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Can you say praise the Lord? Here's number six, power to do supernatural things. You have no ability in your own strength and in your own ability. You see people healed. You see people set free. You pray for someone and they're delivered from addictions and bondage. You see the works of Jesus flowing through your life. This is what Jesus said in John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will do the works that I do also. And he will do greater works than these because I'm going to my Father. In verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father. He will give you another counselor that he may be with you forever. Here's number seven. He gives us power to more clearly discern the voice of God. In the last days, the Bible warns us there are so many voices all around us clamoring for our attention, and they're giving uncertain sounds. And the Bible says if we are not careful, there can be the result of delusion and confusion that comes from all of those kinds of inputs into our life. But aren't you grateful when we have the precious Holy Spirit he whispers that still small voice in our heart and he says, this is right. You can take this one home with you. Hallelujah. Because it's the, he's the spirit of truth. Blessed be God. And you know, according to Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. I'll give you one more. It's so important. And I take it from John 4, verse 24. He gives us power to worship. Our worship this morning, we used music to worship, and I told you before, 
When you study the Bible, the root word for worship literally has nothing to do with music. Sorry to disappoint you if that does. I'm trying to say to you our worship to God is far deeper. It it involves our total being. It involves who we are, our spirit, our soul, our mind, our body, all of it. We become an oracle. We become an instrument in the hands of the Holy Spirit, bringing adoration and exaltation to the one who is worthy forever and ever. Hallelujah. And the Spirit is the one who enables us to adequately and properly worship the all-seeing eye who is the triune God. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. And so I briefly answer what is the Holy Spirit? And secondly, why is having an intimate, close relationship so very, very important for every believer. But now I come to the question, how can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit today? God has answers for us in his word. Again, I wanted to let the scripture answer that question. I want to summarize it by saying there are three things you must do before you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit or as we say be filled with the Holy Spirit somebody sometimes people use those references I know that's Pentecostalese and some friends are not always familiar with our language and I don't want to confuse anybody but it just simply means opening our heart as a believer in allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and Jesus the baptizer enabling us then to communicate with God in a language we did not learn in school or in our homes it's not part of our natural normal speech but all of our response is characterized by speech and I want you to see that and watch for that as we go forward Now I said there are three things that are essential number one you must be truly born again. The spirit indwelling is not intended for unbelievers, for those outside of fellowship and relationship with Christ. Acts 2 verse 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ or be baptized into the body of Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. Then, he says, and no, why would he use then if it's not subsequent? Think about it. Tell that to your good friends who say this stopped with the apostles. Why would he say then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Why would Paul ask in Acts 19 the believers of Ephesus, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Think about it. Now look at John 14, verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. You see, that's the reason for reading this passage. You must be truly born again. You must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You must have said, said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. 
if you've done that, just with the faith, the simple faith of a child. I want to tell you, you're, you're a Christian. You're a believer. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to stand on your head, do hoops, nothing. It's simple. Even a child, or the Bible says a wayfaring fool, does not need to err in this simple truth. He goes on to say, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, doesn't recognize him. I, if you're a believer here, you recognize him. He's in the house here today. You recognize his presence here today. He says, but you know him because he lives with you now and will be in you. Isn't that interesting how Jesus said that to his disciples? He's with you now, but he will be in you. He was talking about the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so that's number one. You must be truly born again. But here's number two. You must hunger and thirst after God. How many know that it's better to want a gift? The Holy Spirit is a gift. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is God's gifting to you and to me. And he wants us to receive his gifts. On, 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 the, on the, fe- the, the last and great day of the feast in John 7, verse 37, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, <laughs> say that word with me, if anyone is thirsty. That means all of us, doesn't it? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. We'll say more about that drinking in just a moment. But number three, you must be born again, number one. You must hunger and thirst. There, let the Holy Spirit activate and, 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 and multiply that desire in your heart. He, he's not going to just drop it on you. You can't go down here to Mardell's and buy it. Are you hearing me this morning? But let there be a stirring. Oh, a hunger for God. A thirsting for the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And here's number three. You must be prepared to obey God and become his witness. Lord, I I commit to fulfill your will, to do what you're asking me to do. And it begins with obeying him by responding to Jesus, the baptizer, when the Holy Spirit stirs within us. And in obeying, then we begin to speak out whatever sound or syllable or utterance He's prompting in us. And by faith we say that, though we do not understand it with our natural mind. To us, naturally, it's nonsense. It's nonsensical. It's gibberish. But I want to tell you, the Bible says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. And you're releasing that capacity within your innermost being to communicate with God. Oh, hallelujah. Can you say, praise the Lord. So you must obey him. Here's what the Bible says in Acts, 4, in Acts chapter 5. Read it out loud with me in your, in your outdoor voice. We are his witnesses to these words, as is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those. To whom has he given this gift? To whom is he giving the Spirit? To those who obey him. In the faith of a child, this morning when you who come to receive the Holy Spirit, you just say, I'm coming to obey him. I'm going to do this. 
My faith is activated. Hallelujah. And I'm going to do it. Now, here are some ready steps I want to give you. I want us to take these steps of faith. You see, I'm giving you an acrostic, and it spells the word ready, because each of us must be ready to receive the Holy Spirit. I have a sense in my heart there, here this morning, there are a lot of us here. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You were given a prayer language, but it's been a long time. Yes. Or you're not active, you're not cultivating that. I, I'm preaching to you and me this morning too. I believe he wants that to be as, as natural to you as a believer as your breathing. Yes. He wants you praying and praising and interceding and giving supplication and giving thanksgiving in tongues every day of your life. Do you believe it? Yes. Amen. R-E-A-D-Y is a simple little acrostic that lets us know we're ready. The first R is repent. I've dealt with that. That means to turn about face. Peter said, you must turn from sin. The E stands for expect. Let expectancy rise in your heart. God is a faith God. How many know this book, the Bible, is a faith book? We believe it to be the inspired word of God. Every jot, every tittle, every word, and every promise in the book is mine. And he promised the Holy Spirit. Expect that and let God do something. Paul asked this question in Galatians 3. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Every one of us received by believing what we heard. Not by the law, not by some principle somebody wrote in a book. Here's number three, A. R-E-A, ask. He is your father. Come to him as his very own child. Ask him. This is what Jesus says. Ask, and it will be given to you in Luke 11. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. <clears throat> he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he poses this question based on his urging you and me to ask. Which of you fathers, he says, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? To those who ask him. Here's D, R-E-A-D. Drink. I said we'd come back to that. I read that passage a moment ago. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, come <coughs> to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Again, this documents that it's a subsequent experience for all believers. Drink it in, and I'll tell you more practically how to do that. And number five is why, yield. 
R-E-A-D-Y, repent, expect, ask, drink, and yield. Realize God's gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. He's already given it. The gift is available. Now all you have to do is receive. And that means just release your faith, activate your faith. Paul laid his hands on those in in Acts 19. And it says the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So when prayer is made for you, as we come together around this altar in just a few minutes, I want you to come ready to begin doing exactly what we've been describing and receive the gift. How many know if I have a a $20 bill in my hand and I say, whoever gets here first, I'm going to give this to you. Well, I could stand here and hold it in my hand until nightfall and uh, Abel's about ready to get off her seat and come up here (laughs) and that's all right. But uh, I didn't take it out of the clip, you notice. If you need it, I'll be glad to share it with you. She has to take it out of my hand, doesn't she? She has, to, she has to receive it. She has to receive it. There's something about yielding. I was preaching a message of faith several years ago in North Kenai, Alaska, with my good friend Pat Donadio. We'd helped him open that church, planted that church there. And during the morning hour, we would have classes and teach. And at night, or during the day then, we had an, a, an AIM team with us, a bunch of young people. And they'd go out and invite people, Eskimos, all, people all around Kenai in that Kenai Peninsula to the service. Brand new baby church, very few members. And so people were just coming and they'd tell, come tonight and hear the message. And I just did my best to preach simple. And I was preaching that God is a faith God. The Bible's a faith book. Everything we receive from God is by faith. And, and whether it's salvation, it's by faith. He can change your life. He'll forgive your sin. If, if it's healing, and, and I told about, about my wife's mother-in-law who had, who had, when she was 38 years old, had a massive heart attack. And this church prayed for her. I'm talking about Faye Wood. And this church prayed. She could have died. I could have not ever gotten to really know her. But I had the honor of ministering her funeral and she was 83 when she went to be with the Lord. God healed her of that heart attack. And I just shared a little about that. And I, everything you were and the baptism in the Holy Spirit is by faith. What I did not know is that there was a, a little Roman Catholic lady who had come, young woman, young mother. She was sitting way in the back. And I began to hear something in, in, in the, and it almost distracted me while I'm trying to preach. And about that time, she just got out of her seat and came walking down to the front. I haven't given an appeal. I haven't given an invitation. But she had yielded and received and she was singing in tongues. She had not heard, not heard any kind of a clink at Indians or anything else. She was, she was a, a Caucasian. And, and, and her husband worked the oil field. And, and, and here she was. She'd never heard this before. But her childlike faith hooked on. She didn't wait for coming in the altar. 
Her heart just hooked on to God and God baptized her in the Holy Spirit sitting in that seat and she began to praise the Lord in singing in tongues because of the anointing of the Spirit of God on her heart and on her life. I'm talking about the awesomeness of the baptizer, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And don't be afraid that, some, that God's going to give you some foreign something. He's not going to give you a snake. He's not going to give you a scorpion. He's not going to give you a rock. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yes, he is. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. We had a man in our church who had flown F-105s over Vietnam. He got shot down, but somehow was able to parachute out and escape. He was a member of our church, Colonel Gordon Atkinson. He was obviously a very intelligent man, and he was very analytical. He was so hungry for the Holy Spirit. He wanted to receive, but he kept trying to analyze and put everything in order. And I kept coming back, Gordon, everything received from God is by faith. He said, but pastor, I have to see it in my mind. And then I was just blunt. I said, well, then Gordon, you will never be baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you become like a little child and you abandon your insistence on analyzing and sorting out linguistically everything that you're going to say, you will never be given a prayer language that God wants to give you. But I promise you this, if you'll humble yourself like a child and forget about all of your military training and all of your analyses, I will tell you if you'll humble yourself and just yield to God, and then whatever the Holy Spirit begins to stir up in your heart, when Jesus baptizes you, if you'll just begin to speak that out, even if it's just one word, one syllable, just use that to praise God, to magnify God, I promise you, you'll be gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm so happy to tell you that a few weeks later, that man almost wrecked the place. He was so overflowing with the spirit of the living God. He abandoned all of that be nice stuff and that analyses, and he just entered into that language God gave him and began to speak what God gave him. I'm telling you the truth this morning, friend. And in these last days, we need the Holy Spirit more than we've ever needed him before. More than ever before more than ever before. Will you stand with me, please? Well, God be with you. May his peace be upon you. May his blessing overtake you. Tell somebody about Jesus. Cultivate the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Walk with him. Amen.